Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. Good morning. This is Carolyn Grant with the Stories She Sings. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you three stories and three songs, and all of these are Christmas songs, and I hope that you will enjoy them and the messages that pertain to each one of them. The first song is called, Who Were the Angels? And this song was preempted by a sound sleep wherein I was dreaming that I had an instrumental playing in my mind. I could hear the orchestration and it was so beautiful. And as I prayed that it would stop because I was sleeping so soundly, the thoughts kept getting louder. The song kept getting louder. The instrumental, the orchestration, all kept getting louder. And so I went out into my living room in the wee hours of the night and I knelt down beside the couch and asked the Lord, what is this gift? What is this song that's coming? And as the words poured into my mind, who were the angels that sang to the shepherds when they were tending their sheep? Whose angel voice made the whole world rejoice? Who woke them from their sleep? Singing tidings we bring to you from our King, Follow the star, you will find him, born just for thee, a precious baby whose smile can melt sorrow and sin. As those words streamed into my mind, they came with a flood of the Spirit and a flood of of realization that we might be the very angels who sang to the shepherds on that Christmas night. And the second verse says, could we be the angels, perhaps you and I, who sang on that holy night? Did we lift up one voice in those heavens rejoice as we stood in that star's pure light? Singing tidings we bring to you from our King, follow the star, sweet shepherd, born just for thee, a precious baby, whose voice was the song that they heard. As these words poured into my mind, it came with such a sweet revelation that we have lived eons before entering this earth life, that we came, each one of us, to pursue our mission, our calling, and our purpose, that we came through our first estates with flying colors, and we are here now to experience mortality to experience this second estate, and to prepare to meet God. Last week, the episode that I did was called Preparing to Meet God. And as I shared that episode with you, it came so strongly to my mind that preparing to meet God isn't a -a once-in-a-lifetime cataclysmic event, but every day we can prepare to meet God. And as our faith grows and becomes more sufficient for the trials at hand, we can prepare to meet Him, to be strengthened by Him, to be succored by Him, 
and to experience his love more profoundly day after day after day. This last week, my sweet husband of four and a half years and I were given some very sorrowful news. We learned that my husband has stage four prostate cancer and all of my life I have been building my faith to be able to have a bigger bank account of faith than was actually needed for the trial at hand. But I can tell you that when we got this news and it was so sudden and so unexpected that I realized that I would need to deepen and to develop my faith to be able to go through this trial and to stand as a support, a cheerful, loving support to my husband as we face this challenge together. As we go through our challenges in life, it is so imperative and important that we remember who we were before we ever came to this life. We were the angels of heaven. We chose this first estate. We knew that we would experience trials and heartaches of every kind. We even elected and signed up for some of them, knowing that they would develop us, deepen us, strengthen us, and secure us in godly confidence. As I share this song with you, who were the angels, I would love for you to ponder the words and put yourself in this place that perhaps you were truly an angel who did beautiful, marvelous things before you ever came to this life and before you stepped through that thin lace curtain called the veil and before you entered this mortal body that you signed up and said, I will go, send me. I will go and testify of the Savior, Jesus Christ. I will go and develop my gifts my talents, my strengths, and dedicate them and consecrate those gifts, talents, and strengths to the glory of God and to the benefit of my fellow men. It is my prayer that as you listen to the story she sings today and as you hear each one of these messages, whether you are a single mother, whether you are a single father, whether you are enjoying this season with your family, perhaps quarantining, but still in a safe haven, or whether you are going through trials and afflictions all by yourself, that you will find a message within this hour that will serve you and bless you and benefit you. As I have been blessed with this sweet gift of songwriting, each year at Christmas time, I would write a new song. Each year, And this song that I'm going to share with you today was the first Christmas song that I wrote. And then there was a song, Behold Our Baby, a song that Mary sings to Joseph, a song called His Timeless Love. More songs came year after year. After writing all these songs, I put together a CD called Christmas Spirit. And it was after the passing of my father that I wrote, my first Christmas without you. And for those who are grieving, for those who are suffering, missing someone that you love, I would love to end this podcast today at the very end with the song called My First Christmas Without You. 
that if you are suffering the loss of a loved one or going through a fiery trial during this holiday, that you will be blessed and comforted in knowing that there is eternal life and life after death. And so we pass through the phases of our existence, our pre-mortal life, where we were the angels, our second estate, this mortality, where we are called to endure challenges and, and struggles and all kinds of different adversities. And this year, so many of us have experienced adversities of varying degrees and levels. And then there will come a time when we will pass from this existence. We will return home to our Father in heaven, so grateful, so full of gratitude for the gifts of the Spirit, for the gift of the Savior, Jesus Christ, for the gift of the baby that was born 2,000 years ago, so that we might all be freed from pain, from ill, from sorrow, from suffering, and be blessed to live eternally, joyfully ever after. And so I bring to you the song, Who Were the Angels? Your joy may be full. 
About the Nativity Song I stood before the Nativity scene all alone at Temple Square on the Sunday morning of December 2nd, 2001. I was amazed that I had the whole scene to myself. As I approached in the twilight of the morning, a small light began shining on Mary's face. I stood outside the ropes before the sacred scene and asked, Heavenly Father, will you please let me write a song about the Nativity scene? The words came into my mind, write what you see. My eyes gazed over the scene and tears began streaming my cheeks. I looked at the wise men on their camels coming from afar. I saw the shepherd boy nearing the baby. I beheld one tattered child, a little girl holding the leash of a small goat. I beheld the lambs nibbling the grass through the snow. I focused in upon Joseph's hand protecting Mary. I became for a moment a part of that family, the rope that created a barricade so none would cross over or venture near became invisible to me. I became, for a moment, that tattered little girl child. I began singing and writing as fast as my cold hands would allow me, and I raised my voice and sang to the baby, to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherd boy, to the tattered child, to the wise men. I sang to them all, for that was the only thing missing from the scene, the angel who sang. Then it was time for me to go and listen to the Tabernacle Choir perform their Sunday morning broadcast. As I listened to them, I felt the joy of the words that I had freshly penned. Round and round me, angels danced. My heart was filled to overflowing, even to bursting, as I listened to their Christmas anthems being raised all to the glory of God. I almost could not bear it, so great was my joy and tenderness. Again the tears flowed. I felt like the one lost lamb sitting among thousands, even the ninety and nine in that great audience in the conference center, without a husband, without my children. The pain of not having a family to share this moment with became a lump lodged in my throat. I watched the others laughing with their kindred family and friends. The deep desire to run up and hold them by the shoulders and say, Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear the angels sing? Do you feel what I feel? Later that night, I was privileged to hold a friend in my arms whose spirit was hurting. I was honored to cradle that friend, as though this person was the Christ child and I just a tattered little girl wanting to share his love enough to go around. I lullabied my friend with the scribbled words written upon the page as I rocked and cradled the least of these in my arms. The song was done. I made the instrumental using my widow's might to accomplish it. No Christmas money for my children's gifts. Barely enough money to cover the bills, as all had been spent on the lullabies that were now being duplicated for the children. But I knew that this final gift must be given. A Christmas song for the boys at the boys' ranch, the men at the state prison. A song with a message that I must take to them all. For I had felt it. His love is enough to go around. Last night, I took my children to see the nativity scenes of the world displayed in a church in Provo. 
After marveling at all the creativity it took to inspire so many hundreds of different kinds of nativity scenes, in teepees, on coconuts, wearing Peruvian hats made out of corn husk, ceramic, olive wood, metal, anything and everything imaginable used to celebrate the Savior's birth, at last I saw it. It was a simple nativity set, only three pieces, a large rectangle piece of wood with a ball on it representing Joseph, a medium-sized rectangle piece of wood with a ball on it representing Mary, and a small rectangle piece of wood with a little ball on it representing Jesus. These three were overlaying one another and a piece of twine securely wrapped around them many times, securing them tightly together. At last, I got it. I understood the plan. Again, tears streamed my cheeks. I've got it, I said to my three children. I just got it. It's all about the Holy Family, a father, a mother, a baby. This is the divine ideal. Suddenly I knew why my heart had been grieving ever since Thanksgiving when my children were at their father's, and I was left home alone to wait for a call from my daughter who had been lost at the Oakland airport. To myself I finally thought, now I understand why it hurts so deeply. I do not have the divine ideal. Suddenly I knew that my pain was being swept away as I realized that a loving father and mother in heaven and the Savior Jesus Christ are that holy family and want all of us to come and be a part of theirs. This morning I awoke, and the nativity song was chorusing through my mind and heart. I knew I needed to go and take a look at it, and make sure it was pleasing to the Lord. As I got to the last verse, my mind's eye opened, and again I saw myself as a tattered child holding the leash of the goat. I saw myself with all my tender yearnings to be a mother, to cradle lost children, to share the gospel, to be a missionary, to have a family. I saw myself through Mary's eyes. I felt her invitation for me to come closer, tattered and as imperfect as I am, still clinging to the sins that I need to be separated from. I saw in my mind's eye as she enfolded me in the presence of that sacred family and placed her precious baby in my arms. As a little girl, I looked up into her eyes and saw that Mary, the mother of my elder brother, was becoming in this moment a mother to me too. She let me hold the baby Jesus and love him. I felt much like a big sister when a mother brings home a newborn from the hospital, amazed that she would let me hold her baby. Something happened when I looked into the Christ child's sweet face, like the little drummer boy. I had no gift to bring save me and my song, and so I began singing. I sang to him my lullabies, one after another, all the lullabies I had written for my babies, all the lullabies I had worked so hard to bring to his lost children. At long last, I got to sing them to him, all the songs I had written for him and about him rising up alone in the night, night after night for the past 26 years of my life. In that moment, I felt my gift of a broken heart was not only received but beginning to heal, all the aching within to be a part of a divine family, the sadness of my parents' divorce, the sadness of my own. Without all this, without the divine ideal, it was no wonder my heart had been broken. He wants me to have it too, I knew. He wants us all to have that. He wants us all to know the joy of being securely bound together in a family, intertwining our lives, our loves, our experiences, our joys, and our sorrows. And so he and his mother invited my broken heart into their family circle. She let me cradle her baby, my brother Jesus. She let me sing to him. He invites us into his family, not just for a moment, but for an eternity. One by one we venture a little closer until we feel their loving arms enfolding us too. 
until we become a precious part of that sacred scene as each one of us writes our very own verse in the Nativity Song. Who are you? Are you a shepherd, the angel, one of the wise men, a lost lamb? I found out who I am, a tattered girl with a pocket full of broken dreams. My child's heart has been seeking him for a lifetime, and at long last I have begun to truly find him. And now I know my mission, my calling, my purpose here on earth. I must seek out others whose hearts have been broken and lead them to that holy family, to him, to her, to that sacred scene so that they too can become a part of a divine family. A hint of night, the soft twilight, she smiles upon her babe, his kindly arms protecting her in the manger her treasure lay. A bundle warming Christmas morning, a prince crowned in the hay. A gift so small brings love to all the world this Christmas day. Come tattered child, come shepherd boy, wise men seek him this day. Let's play our part in that sacred scene, bring our gift to Lord his fame. Who is this child so meek, so mild, sing Jesus is his name. The angel sung, such joy prolong his birth, we shall proclaim the Son of God descended now before the Christ child bow. Come rich, come poor, come all adore his love enough to go around. Round and round me angels dance their spirits bright that Christmas morn. Glad gift, a sweet newborn. Two thousand years have passed away, alone I come, behold me, a tattered child, the part I play, his tender heart enfold me, my broken heart, my lowly gift, for the child, one lullaby. I sing for father, mother, child, a song of Christmas joy. A hint of night, the soft twilight, she lets me hold her baby. The child in me, awakening, I am reborn this Christmas day. His gift to me, a merry heart, as whole as whole can be. I feel such love enfolding me as I lullaby the baby. The Son of God descended now, before him I humbly bow. Come rich, come poor, come all adore his love enough to go around. Round and round me, 
stamps my merry heart with those reborn glad tidings ring come dance come sing tis christmas day our king is born son of god ascended now each tongue confess each knee bow come rich come poor come all adore his love enough to go around round and round with angels dance our merry hearts in him reborn glad tidings ring join hands and sing dance for the king we are reborn our king is born the star. It was a cold morning in 1977. My little brother Joshua appeared at my door. I'm cold, his husky three-year-old voice announced. I awoke and gathered a blanket in my arms and led him outdoors, where we could greet the dawn together. We spread our blanket on the dewy earth and lay down to gaze up at the stars. Who made the stars? His little voice broke the silence. Heavenly Father made the stars, I whispered, pulling him a little closer to keep him warm. Heavenly Father, bless the stars. Where are the stars going? I told him they were on their way to morning. He sighed contentedly and began singing, Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. I joined in. I wrote this experience down and called it The Dawning. It was published in Guidepost magazine in 1977 when I was 17 years old. It was the story of Josh's questions that morning and the only answers I knew to give him at the time. The story was read by many and letters flowed to my desk in my fifth period English class by people across the nation who had been touched by its simplicity. Prisoners, saints, and sinners responded to the simplicity of a child. One letter came from an 84-year-old man, Roland Bongard, who wrote, August 12, 1977. Dear Miss Rowley, I have just finished reading your beautiful article in the August Guidepost. When I came to Joshua's question, where are the stars going, I was reminded of a verse in a poem written by a friend of mine 55 years ago in Canada. The poem was Song of the Prairie Land, the place the hunter's cabin on the prairie, the time dawn. The verse holds an ideal answer to Joshua's question. I opened my cabin door, the starry hosts were gone. And I knew that God had gathered their sparks to kindle the flame of dawn. Thought you might like that. Yours very truly, Roland K. Bongard, age 84. Others wrote and told me to keep writing and send encouragement to me in that way. It was a special time of my life, but not until an incident that occurred 24 years later did I remember the significance of Josh's questions and of the dawning. I had been working on a compilation of songs and lullabies and stories that I had written for children and families to help prepare their hearts for the dawning of Christ's coming. While doing so, I became good friends with the owner and engineer of the recording studio where I was doing my recording. One day I called Gaynor just to check in and he said, Karen, come see the star. In his spare time, he had been building a huge star for a friend to erect by his beautiful home nestled against the mountains. Being only a few miles away, I turned my car around and drove to meet him. He led me up the hill and brought me to the place where he had been working on a 25-foot star that would be a beacon to the entire valley. 
It was the day before Thanksgiving, and I had rolls to bake and pies to make, and a daughter who had been lost in the holiday shuffle at Oakland Airport. I didn't know where she was, and my heart buried its turmoil when Gaynor handed me a large strand of lights. Beaming down at me, he smiled and said, Here, you can help me put the lights on it. I knelt on the grass beside him and began stringing the lights to his 25-foot creation. I wondered how many lights it would take to ignite the circumference of this huge star and how long I would be there in my sandals and bare feet on the first really chilly day of the holiday season. But Gaynor's heart was cheerful, infectious, full of a brightness of hope and enthusiasm for his creation. All I could see was his shining exuberance at having created something that so many people from every direction would be able to see. His enthusiasm melted my concerns as we secured the lights to the star's frame. At last, frozen toad, I told Gaynor I needed to go and make rolls. As I turned to gaze back on him and his star with miles yet to go to wind a thousand more lights around it, I felt a pang of guilt in my chest. He pointed to the little corner where I'd wound a few lights and said, Hey, Karen, when you see the star all lit up, remember, that's your corner. You put the lights on that point. My part had been so small when considering all the help he needed. I swallowed my guilt, said a prayer for his good heart, and that others would come help him soon. The days that followed only brought more problems. It snowed and the star lay buried beneath the first snow. I caught glimpses of Gaynor between recording sessions in his coat and boots, with a broom making a trip to dust off the star from the snow's powder. The star broke in a few places as well and needed to be repaired, but Gaynor stayed cheerful. Then the ongoing task of wondering where to put it so that it could be seen by the most people coming and going in their various directions and destinations during the holidays. The big day for raising the star kept coming and going as new problems kept presenting themselves. One day, Gaynor reported, still smiling, that there just wasn't enough electricity to light it. Every day, I received calls from Gaynor that the star-raising ceremony had been delayed one more time due to a slight problem. I wasn't there the day it went up, but I went to see it one night. There it shone in the east. Would anyone appreciate the work, the love, the enthusiasm that had gone from one man's heart into creating, forming, and lighting that star? I hoped everyone who saw it would treasure the hours it had taken Gaynor to plan it, create it, build it, light it, and at last suspend it in the dark heavens where it could be seen and enjoyed by everyone. Gaynor's star is beautiful, but it's the story behind the star that I wish to share. It's the story of one man's commitment to excellence, to shining, and to blessing others. During all of this, my thoughts went to a loving Father in Heaven who created a star in the heavens to bless the weary traveler and bring hope to a dying world, a star that would point for us the way to freedom, to happiness, to hope, to love, to peace on earth, and above all, the way back to heaven. I thought of how he needs us all to be star builders. He needs us each to do our parts, for many hands make light work, and we are all a part of that divine plan. We are each one of those twinkling lights on a strand of lights that points to Him. Again, I thought of Josh's questions, asked that dawning more than two decades ago. Who made the stars? Where are they going? And now I would like to share the answer to this question. How I wonder what you are. Who are the stars? We are the stars in the heavens. 
We are those precious lights that God formed and created to bring light to a darkened world. We are those who must join together to make a bright and lasting impression upon the world. We must not let our lights be hid under a bushel, but become like a city that is set upon a hill, that others seeing our good works may feel to glorify Father in heaven. When I see Gainer's star, it reminds me of who I am, of who we all are, and of the enthusiasm and commitment it will take to help light up this whole world. I want to do more than string a few lights around the lowest point. I want to stay to the finish. I want to be there when the star is lit, and I want to be one who will help to raise it up. I want to be one that helps to usher in the morning light by lighting stars along the way, by helping others to remember that we each have a purpose, a calling, and a mission to fulfill to help prepare the way for the Son of God. Where are the stars going? Three-year-old Josh asked me that morning in 1977. The answer from a sweet elderly man's hand stirs in my heart today more than ever from a poem written by his friend almost a century ago. And I knew that God had gathered their sparks to kindle the flame of dawn. Now Gaynor called this morning with a new dilemma. Where do you store a 25-foot star? I say, in the heavens, let it shine year-round to remind us all of who we are, why we are here, and where we are going.
Recently, a dear friend of mine named Ramona, who is a farmer with her husband in Michigan, sent me a message saying, Karen, are you going to be delivering any messages to those who are grieving the loss of a loved one during this holiday season? This was prior to receiving the news about my husband and his medical condition. And up to that point, this Christmas had held no grief. It had been joyful. We had put our Christmas decorations up early. Del and I were celebrating our first Christmas together in our new home in Mapleton when Ramona asked this question of me. And so it lingered in the back of my mind. And she said, will you post somewhere the song, My First Christmas Without You? This message of this story that goes with this song is a message for those of you who might be grieving the loss of a loved one. Perhaps you have a loved one who is going through a trial and that is just causing you to feel some sorrow in their behalf. This can also be a trigger for those who may not be able to reminisce upon Christmas's past because it brings up such nostalgia. As I wrote this song for my father, I remembered the beautiful things that he did for me, that my mother did for me throughout our childhoods at Christmas time. 
This Christmas present is different, so different, as we walk around our countries and our communities and seeing people in face masks and missing their smiles. And so it is a time to reminisce upon the gift of Christmases, past perhaps, the traditions, the family traditions, the things your family did to make Christmases special. As I wrote this song, I thought of my father, who had a great big ho-ho-ho and who absolutely loved playing Santa. He would always hide the big gift behind the curtain. And on Christmas morning, when all of the presents had been opened, my father would always muster a ho-ho-ho and Karen or Kit or Kim, I think Santa left another gift for you behind the curtain. It was behind the curtain that we always found the sweetest gift that had been reserved for last. And as I wrote this song, I thought about those who have loved ones that are behind the veil, that are beyond the veil, that are behind the curtain, and who are waiting anxiously and eagerly for the joy of someday seeing their loved one again. In the meantime, let's reminisce upon the joys of Christmas's past and create and draw as many of those sweet traditions into this Christmas present. Let's look forward to those times when we can make sugar cookies or pull taffy or do some sweet old-fashioned family traditions that bring so much joy, that remind you of your mother or your grandmother, the wassail on the stove. This Christmas season, we might all be spending a little more time at home. And for those who are experiencing loneliness and sadness, I send this message to you that your heart may be light, that you may be filled by the messages and the stories in this podcast, that you may be filled with the gift of Christmas spirit, that you may be filled with the joy of the Savior, Jesus Christ, that you may be filled with the power of prayer and the exceptional understanding that you are loved, that you matter, that you were born upon this earth at this time with a purpose, a calling, and a mission, with a gift to polish and to perfect and to give back to God and ask him to give your gift to humanity. I am so grateful for the gift of friends, for the gift of loving family, and for those who are serving Del and I at this crucial time, just through the power of prayer. Sometimes the greatest gift we give, that we can give to our loved ones, is to remember them in our prayers, to let our prayers ascend to heaven, that they might be blessed with comfort and peace and joy and love and understanding. And so I close this podcast with this song, My First Christmas Without You.
first Christmas time I cannot see or smile My very first winter time I can't hold you for a while On this very first Christmas I'm sending you my heartfelt wish A song to lift your tender heart This carol is your Christmas gift It's the first Christmas I can't see your twinkling eyes Your soft smile that I cherish still You opened each surprise In this lonesome Christmas present I would cup your smiling
Christ shall cease death.